December 14, 2014. It's a Watt from Pedro show.
Live from Pedro Show, December 14, Sunday. Five, six days, Brother Matt, I'm 357. Yeah, that's right, countdown. Countdown, right. It's my last Sunday as a 56-year-old. <laughs> well, we started to show off with them. John Coltrane's last gigs, him doing Crescent Temple University. I think it was November 11, 1966. Uh, we got some guests. Yeah, welcome. Plowed up. Word slingers from, uh, from OC. Behind the orange curtain. <laughs> orange curtain. Yeah. Marvin Scott Marvin, poet man. I got to share a stage with him, his buddy uh, Kirk, this band, uh, Pork Joss Applesauce, and they brought uh, Wingman, Wingnut. That's Mark. Mark? Howdy. So Pork Chops and Applesauce, do people automatically know that reference? Well, actually, it's funny. Like, young kids, they think I'm talking about food. (laughs) (laughs) But old people people are getting older yet. You can see him try to make the face like they're getting ready to do the Humphrey Bogart, you know, impersonation. Some people got it and some people don't. There there were things that they would have people do as the commercials coming, so it looked like they were talking Mm -hmm. on the talk shows. Usually it was peas and carrots. Just said peas and carrots, peas and carrots. It made it look like your mouth (laughs) was saying something. So, whatever. What was his name? Jack Parr. Uh. Peas and carrots, pork chops and applesauce. It's like you're saying something that actually means. You know, when you put that on the table, you got to watch it because the mic. Bob. Yeah. Bob Son could learn. <laughs> hey Bob, thanks for the meat puppets tape. Yeah, two more, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the big stuff means he had pad this big to the roof that he's been <laughs> climbing through. But he got one of them. Yeah, he has a start. Five, ten years. It's a start. Took ten it's years. <laughs> anyway, I invited uh, Marvin Scott Marvin on because of his poetry. So before we get fucking doing anything, why don't you just... Give us some words. Why, yeah, just one right. off. Is there something in particular you'd like to hear? or? Yeah, like the first poem you would read if you were asked to on the Watt from the <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll read one that isn't in my new chapbook then. It's pretty old, but uh, it's still relevant today. That's one of my rare rhyming pieces. I usually don't rhyme. I do a lot of free verse and experimentation and whatnot. It's called The Situation Now. It's an economy of mass consumption in a culture of self-destruction. But all we want is an erection. I've got no time to think of the election. I'm too busy getting busy. Want to rock out with my cock out. I don't want to have to think about anything important. And they know that, so they feed that. They prey upon our inconvenience and count upon our apathy. They say it's just coincidence and that we shouldn't worry. But the books are burning in the public school halls, and the cops aren't returning any of our frantic, foolish calls. They've left us defenseless, half-naked, starved, and senseless. But that is the think-tank consensus of how best to keep us free. Free to be exploited, cannon fodder for the anointed, soldier or serf, 
our only choices, as the big guns drown out our voices so they can better hear the noises of those clinking champagne glasses as the upper classes toast the unwashed masses for being such ignorant asses just begging to be kicked. Yeah. Thank you. Can we start at the beginning? Tell me, uh, how old were you when you had your first poet experience, poem experience? Uh, I was 12, actually. Where, where, where were you born? I was born in North Dakota. Where'd you grow up? Anaheim. Cali. So yeah, Cali. Anaheim, California. So you're 12 years old, what happened? Uh, sixth grade? Yeah, sixth grade, exactly. And, uh... I had already done all the reading assignments for the year and wasn't allowed to have any more extra credit for book reports. And I had been busted for selling book reports to other students. <laughs> so during the reading period, I, didn't, I wasn't required to read their books. I'd already read them all. So I started working on writing a, a, a horror story and I was writing down an outline. And the yeah. teacher came walking down the aisle and just grabbed it from me. What do we have here? And read it out to the class. Yeah. And she's like, oh, it's a poem. I'm like, that's not a poem. It's an outline for a story. <laughs> and then there was a whole debate in the class about what made it poetry because it didn't rhyme. So your first experience with poetry was actually writing some. Yeah. Up to that point, well, you hadn't read poets? I had, but I wasn't into no poetry. It, yeah. It didn't really... Somebody once Reach told me, me poetry is everything that prose ain't. Because this idea of rhyming, I don't know, it, uh, some guys latched onto it. Dante was pretty heavy on it. But then there was always this kind of blank thing. Yeah. Right? And uh, I guess song lyrics. Did you ever consider them like... Oh, yeah. And... Like poem. A few anyway, years later, that's after where the I was, debate in yeah. class, what happened was like, wow, I'm going to start writing poems. No, actually, I wasn't into it at all at that time. I was into H.P. Lovecraft and horror stories and stuff, uh, yeah. you know. And years later, um, my brother had started writing poetry at that time, and uh, a couple of years later, I read some of his stuff, and that influenced me. And I started writing song lyrics, trying to start a band. Ah, so it was. Uh, connection between poems and lyrics yeah and uh, here's the poet laureate of uh, Vermont Sidney Lee let's uh, hear one of his the skeletal Mr. Block flunked me in physics he gathered some courage and told me I'd never tried and what if I had I'd still have been mystified something always goes wrong with me and numbers the thing that stopped me dead in my tracks, for instance, on the north side slope of Checkerberry Knoll at 3 o'clock today in January, Vermont, 2008, the thing I saw would all add up for one whose mind's behavior was different from mine. But I stood still and wondered. While the scurfy trunk of a half-dead sugar maple got struck somehow by the unobstructed sun and showed a shadow straight as string on the snow, I couldn't make it make sense. Bent tree, straight shadow. Would some equation explain it? Maybe, but not my thinking, which flew off any of it straight. To block, as it happened, blackboard, chalk, cheap suit, oversized and wrinkled like animal skin, the haywire hair, 
an expression between pure rage and pain as our pack of brutish adolescents, all in a circle, dreaming up jibes so sharp we dream they drew blood, jeered the hopeless teacher. None of us wanted to grow up Mr. Block. Neither did Block, I bet. So if when you talk of the young, you grow lyric, you've never known a child, or never been one. It takes a lifetime, it seems, to have a heart, to make certain things add up. I wondered whether the man still strode the earth. Cold snow chirped underfoot as I strode along in search of more legible signs. Dark blood and hair and frozen dung so the deer gave, gave the neck just there. It was easy to figure the pack of coyotes circling the kill, the parts all dragged downhill and up. When I arrived, there was nothing else remaining besides that blood, the shitballs, the scattered hair clumps, the backbone, the hooves, the very hide, all missing. Thank you. 
Live from Pedro Show. Uh, we just heard something new from Andrea Belfi. He's a Sonia de Mayo drummer man, brother Matt. And he's got a solo album. And this is Ogeti Carano Forma. Before that, something new from Bars, Discharge. North 81. I think that stands for Interstate 81, Northeast Pennsylvania. I Am Someone, great tune. Chad and his brothers. And we start off with Sidney Lee doing Bet Tree Straight Shadow. What's your opinion of something like Poet Laureate? There, Marvin, Scott Marvin. Oh, I don't know. Um, what about institutionalized arts, the idea that? Is it about the teacher grabbing your paper and misinterpreting it? Is that a problem? institutional <laughs> well I thought it was a problem at the time but it's not now because it Actually, did influence me and it, it did lead me it lit, helped right? lead me down a different path yeah and your brother but you, you don't look for things like a validation through I mean did you go to school later to study poetry no no, no. I have friends who've done that I have friends who have but your thing and, is just take it on as your, uh, just do it. Love. You know, I approach it from the punk rock philosophy. Craft, just yeah. do it. it you don't get all yeah. proper with pentameters and stuff. Yeah. No, I don't worry about form or anything. I'm more concerned about function than form. He I'm just more concerned about su- you know substance and style. Few ones he has. Rhyming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Most of your poems. Yeah, I don't do a lot of lyrics. I noticed stuff. in the book there was a lot. You know? There's a couple of occasional rhymes in there, but yeah, yeah. But it's, it, it don't sound like it's being not the you know point. What I mean? Yeah, wrapped around the screw, so to speak. So, your brother started doing it. How did you? For, were you just writing them down on paper and then read them to yourself, or passing to friend? Was there a point when you wanted to start reading, like you did at the gig? Uh, yeah. Um, Right well, I started writing lyrics in 85 or 86, when I was 15, 16, and uh, I took a couple creative writing classes. Uh, for a band, right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, So they're meant to be sung. Yeah, my early stuff was, and then I started realizing I want to write other things that I can't fit into a rhyme, I didn't know how to, or, and rhyming being forced into the rhyme scheme can be very limiting. Yeah. You know? So, branched out into writing free verse without even reading any, really. I was, just you writing know, it. Just I hadn't just encountered poets who really grabbed me until, uh, in my creative writing class, my teacher read a piece and says, you know, wrote on it, reminds me of Bukowski. And I was like, who the fuck is you Bukowski? Know, I'd he's been never heard of him town. before. His four last yeah. 14 years. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's in that same boneyard with Deep Blue. A couple of years later, my brother gave me a copy of uh, Love is a Dog from Hell and said, Here, oh, read okay. this. I was like, Oh, okay, now I see the connection, now I understand. And, and that encouraged me more because I'm like, Okay, well, if this guy is famous, well known for just writing this kind of stuff about his own life, like I'm doing, yeah. hey, I can do it too. I'm, I'm call, on the right track, I'm, I'm not so bad. Would you call your style confessional? A lot of it is confessional, a lot of it's narrative, and uh, but like my new chapbook, some of it's uh, more abstract, and it all depends. I do a lot of experimentation. Let's hear another one right now. Stuff. Okay. Uh, 
You want it? Why not? We'll start with opening up. If self-autopsy through poetry were easy, everyone would be doing it. Instead, we get love poems and lectures on the flavor of the moment. We dedicated cutters do it in private. Expose the inner workings in the places our garments conceal. We do it to feel something. Where we otherwise see only emptiness. We wish to change and modify ourselves. So we don't turn out like you. We want to make certain we are not hollow inside. And we want to be able to point out where we hurt and watch the blood rise to the surface to show us we are still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, should you remember the first time reading your stuff in front of people? Yeah, it was 1993 in Las Vegas at uh, Cafe Espresso Roma on Maryland, right across from UNLV, uh, hosted by John Emmons. And uh, it was my first time I showed up, and the place was packed with people. And they had a list. I remember there's uh, 36 numbers on the list, and the whole list was filled in except for the first seven. So I signed up number seven, thinking, you know, I didn't want to go first for my first time, but no one signed up one through six. So I had to read first for my first time. Do you have any of those poems from those days? Actually, uh, the situation now, the first one I read, uh, yeah, was read from, another one from those times. Um, let's see. This would be from 1994, I think it was. Uh, I was working at McCarran Airport, and. Uh, <laughs> I'll just read it. So you were living in Las Vegas at the time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This one's called TV Let Me Down. I was already down. Glad to be off work, but little else came to mind. Opened the door to my rented rooms, kicked off my boots, boiled water for ramen, broke open a beer can, turned on the box looking for laughs. Just a moment to take me away from this. Some comedian came on. He said, I just saw the guy with the worst job in the world. That got my attention. I was ready. Come on, give it to me. Make me feel better. He said, I was at the airport waiting for a flight. He then proceeded to describe what he observed out the terminal window. A man on the tarmac performing my job. Yeah. That's a true story. <laughs> Just the facts, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was a literally... Can you remember when you wrote it? Yeah. Putting the words down? Yeah. Was it... Uh, uh, do you go pretty... back? Do you redact? Do you edit? Not much. Um, so the, what comes out with the flow is what... Usually, yeah, oh, yeah. I, and I, I tend to write rather stream of consciousness, and yeah. I used to do like trance state kind of thing, and Automatic with practice. or without drugs, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> Brother Matt, we're at the end of the first hour. Wow, 
Flavor 14, 2014 Dishwalk Beetle Show with our guest, Marvin Scott Marvin. Right Thank on. you very much. from Behind the Orange Curtain. Cool. Hold tight for hour two. December 14, 2014 is the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. Next to, of course, God, America, I love you, land of the pilgrims, and so forth. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early, my country tis of. Centuries come and go and are no more, what of it we should worry. In every language, even deaf and dumb, thy sons acclaim your glorious name. By gory, by jingo, by gee, by gosh, by gum. <laughs> Why talk of beauty? What could be more beautiful than these heroic happy dead who rushed like lions to the roaring slaughter? They did not stop to think, they died instead. Then shall the voice of liberty be mute. He spoke and drank rapidly a glass of water.
río Mapocho mueren los gatos y en el medio del agua tiran los sacos, pero en las poblaciones con la tormenta, hombres, perros y gatos es la misma fiesta. Juega en medio de la tormenta Que es capitán de un buque que se dio vuelta Asustar a yo si llega el caso que mi negra no quiera darme un abrazo. Fuera cierto que nos vean un día en los
Crawford Pedro show on a Sunday. It's kind of quiet by the mat. Yeah, post storm. Maybe that's because it's <laughs> 10 in the morning. I don't know, usually we've got the dick extenders, uh, you know, motorcyclists who uh, yes. modify their vehicles with dick extenders. So <laughs> it cannot be missed as they pass by. And it's yeah, we had some big rains. Yeah, yeah, big wind, big rains. Big rains. <laughs> Maybe Monday or tomorrow and Tuesday. That's why I hear it. Not mm. as big, but... Well, we need the rain, like everybody yeah. said. We start the second hour off with a poet named E.E. E. Cummins doing next to, of course, God, America, I. This was a cat who was into uh, lowercase, by the way. Then some of the last uh, dirty beaches ever, Pacific Ocean, Deeper Deeds, and... Tears are running. Kama Raus, Familia Miranda, uh, Barcelona. And El Rio, Mapocho, Victor Hara, great cat. I think they shot him 23 times. Mm -hmm. Dirty War, shit, Chile. The other September 11th. Uh, yeah, that was the same day. Mm -hmm. a bunch. Not the same year, but the same day, yeah. Uh, Pantera Perla by Pettenizer, Double Cobra from Za, and finally, the Orange Disaster original party theme by the Orange Disaster, which I think there's some, uh, some Paulo guys living in Hamburg. Getting back to poetry, Marvin Scott Marvin, can you read us something from the new book? Certainly. Something that you did at the gig. Okay. By the way, the gig, we're talking about people... Was Doll Hut? Yes, it's back open near where I five meets uh, what Lincoln? Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Lincoln I five, exactly. <laughs> it's a part of Orange County. They ain't by the water. <laughs> well, you know, actually, it, it's trippy if you look on a map because everybody thinks, yeah, Orange County is going to be south of us. Mm. These you people are actually north of us. You're just way east and inland. Mm. Yeah. So look at a map, people. <laughs> Don't get all prejudiced. <laughs> look at a map. It's not where you're from, it's where you're at. Need any of that shit. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll read another narrative poem. I mean, about it's better for you to get that out again, Kurt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Digging it. Because I thought that last Halloween gig was it. I'd never get to play there again. Mm. Yeah. It turned out to be Second Man again. Yeah, it's a great show. It was. That was Bring awesome. Your weights. All right, this is another work story. More recent. Uh, after living in Vegas so many years, I moved back to California and had to get a minimum wage job. Get myself back on my feet during the the Great uh, Depression and uh, recession. So yeah. So this is a little narrative piece called "Sharing the Wealth." Yeah. I watched the manager, half my age, counting out hot dogs, a total of 17, all waste, tossed one at a time into a plastic garbage bag, already half full with popcorn. 17 hot dogs at 4.25 a pop, a write-off, calculated as just another cost of doing business. Waste is expected, 
has been factored into the business model, encouraged even. Seventeen hot dogs headed for the landfill. Maybe in another hundred million years, they would become crushed into oil for another oblivious generation of consumers. After the collapse, the rise. Civilization is like the tides, advancing and receding like clockwork. My work for the day was done, simply standing and staring, waiting, as the manager counted hot dogs into the trash can, also waiting, in expectation of my disposing of a feast into the proper receptacle of corporate policy expectations. Like a bartender's hand on the tap, as a head of foam threatens to exceed the boundaries of precise measurement, anticipating and calculating there will be no spillover, no trickle down here. This is a closed loop. The only escape is through exchange, numbers for nourishment, a captive audience in their amusement, concessions for the affluent. I watched as the narrow yellow boxes, some with silver wrapping paper extended outside the confines like a glimpse of underwear, tumbled from the manager's hand, thinking, someone should eat those. All that effort, all that energy, all those resources, what a crime. To dispose of food while people are starving outside in the cold as winter threatens in the closing distance. As the counting completed, I pulled up the can liner, clear plastic, showing a feast gone to waste, a shame, a disgrace. I carried the bounty of business excess to the industrial trash compactor, disgusted that I should obey an order to destroy something which could save lives. I made a decision to go the distance, to make up for the failing of my corporate masters. Instead of tossing the bag into the compactor, I fished out a clean cardboard box not crushed beyond usefulness and carefully placed those 17 hot dogs in neat rows, then flung the remains, several pounds of popped corn, into the stinking machine, locked the door, and turned the key to wake the monster. As the hydraulics groaned and the cardboard and the popcorn and the plastics were crushed, I hid the box containing 17 hot dogs, still warm, in a dark corner behind the machine and went back inside to clock out. Ten minutes later, I was riding bicycle down Beach Boulevard in search of hungry mouths to feed with a cardboard box containing 17 hot dogs, still warm, balanced with one hand on the handlebars. I met four homeless drunks wandering the streets of Surf City after midnight and gave each of them two hot dogs. One of the drunks cried. It was the first solid food he had had to eat in four days, he said. God bless you, he said. And I replied, he already has. That's why I'm here. When I arrived at Pacific Coast Highway, there were several kids, teens and twenty-somethings, sitting on the concrete steps beside the pier. Hey, I said, any of you guys hungry? They looked at me skeptically as I opened the box and held up a hot dog in its narrow yellow container with a bit of silver wrapping paper showing like Christmas had arrived early this year. I have some hot dogs if you want them. Really? asked a brave young man, the first to step closer. Yeah, they're still good. 
even a little warm. His eyes lit up. What the hell? Where did you get these? He smiled as the others looked on a bit puzzled. From my work. Where's that? The theater at Bellaterra. You know where that is? He laughed. Yeah, yeah, damn, son. You rode all this way just to feed us? He turned to look at his companions, still smiling in surprise. Yes. The first brave soul grabbed his share and called the rest over. There were nine total, but one girl refused to acknowledge our existence. She sat away from the group, staring at the ocean, stewing in her own juices, fuming about something. They called to her, but she ignored us. Another girl took the extra, saying she might want it later. The mood among the group perked up. They offered me a sip of vodka. I took a pull from the bottle. I had a small amount of marijuana. One of them had a bong in his backpack and some cocaine. We took cocoa puffs and watched the ocean beat the beach, passing the bottle and the bong, sharing a few laughs, and then I had to leave, as it was nearly four and I had to be back to work by ten for my next shift. I knew I would be tired, even without the extra miles, but at least I wouldn't be hungry, and for a few hours neither would these kids. Refugees from broken homes, sleeping in thin blankets and battered and soiled sleeping bags, indulging in drugs and booze to numb their weary souls as the stars looked down in silence, as the ocean muttered something about it being just one night. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Cheers. Thank you. That is it time. It's time to bless them. Speak Got one some words. Spare as any. Because he was continually making 
was going to take them higher than that. conditions and although there's not too much smog everything's jammed and it's worse than masts down in a storm and you can't go anywhere and if you do they're all staring into glass and waiting for dinner and no matter how bad it is not the glass, the dinner. They'll spend 
more time talking about it than eating it. And that's why my wife got rid of me. I was a boor and didn't know when to smile or fake it, or rather worse, I did but didn't. And one afternoon with people diving into pools and playing cards and watching carefully shaven comedians in starched white shirts and fine neckties trying to be one of them, kidding about what the world had left them, I pretended a headache and they gave me the young lady's bedroom, she was about 17, and hell, I crawled beneath her sheets and pretended to sleep, but everybody knew I was a cornered fake. But I tried all sorts of tricks. I tried to think of Wilde behind his bars, but Wilde was dead. I tried to think of him shooting a lion or walking down Paris streets medallioned with his wild buddies, all, all the horse, you know, swooning to their beautiful knees. But all I did was twist within her young sheets and from the headboard, shaking in my nervous storm, several trinkets fell upon me. Elephants, Glass dogs with seductive stares. A young boy and girl carrying a pail of water. But nothing by Bach or orchestrated by Ormandy. And I finally gave it up. Went into the john and tried to piss. I knew I'd be constipated for a week. And then I walked out. And my wife, a reader of Plato and E.E. E. Cummings, ran up and said, Ooh, you should have seen Boo Boo at the pool. He turned back flips and side flips off one foot, and it was the funniest thing you've ever seen. I think it was not much later that the man came to our third floor apartment about seven in the morning and handed me a summons for divorce and I went back to bed with her and said don't worry it's all right and she began to cry 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 I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry and I said please stop remember your heart but that morning when she left, about 8 o'clock, she looked the same as ever, maybe even better. I didn't even bother to shave. I called in sick and went down to the corner bar. Multiple elements, words, words for our guest. 
the right. wordslinger that he is, focus on getting some Hank in there, being a local boy, and speaking of local boys, had some, some local boys music in there, because the local boy up the street, Ron Froggy, yeah. he, uh, he's gone now, so Sweet he's gone too day. soon. So had a little extra Pedro influence in there for him. Very kind cat. I'm always going to remember Froggy. Good man. Good man. Hey, we're at the end of the second hour. December 14, 2014 edition of Wild from Pedro show by the map. Our guest from the Orange Curtain. Hold tight for hour three. December 14, 2014, it's the third hour of Watt for Pedro Show. I thought Stefan would be back with all Starbucks and Sandwiches. What's going on?
He had been walking for a long time and it was time to finish. He knew why he was walking, but not how to do the thing he called finish. Telos, telestes, ending things. It was something his mother had told him, then pretended she hadn't, whenever he asked about it later. His father always denied it without a word, just looked away out the window. What pale eyes a father has, how far away they see, how they never face anything that is here. Years ago he had started walking to get away from the place his father refused to look at, him, there, wherever he was, and reached that other place that his father was looking at always. Reach that place and do something there. What was he supposed to do? Maybe he would know when he got there, build something, kill something, break something, say something. There are so few things we know how to do, really. From what his mother said, then denied, from what his father never said, but always watched, empty-hearted, far, he had tried to piece together instructions for his life. What should he do? What should anyone do? So he walked there, wherever it was that he would know by this fact alone that he would stop there and go no further. Somehow he knew he would know when to stop, or know that he had stopped, and notice only then, and it would be right. Meantime, everybody who looked away from him was looking there. He just had to follow their empty glances, their embarrassed or irritated lookings away, and he would know the way. And somehow his body would know when to stop. Then he knew he would take something out of his pocket and use it, or else pick something off the ground, right there on the street or on the beach, and use it. And he would know how to use this thing, and what other thing or things to use with it, and what rhythm to use in playing one thing against the other. He would know the words to say. He is sure that at that moment he will listen to the inside of his head and hear some words, and all he'll have to do is say them out loud, and it will be done. In the Texas whirlwind With a robber's tide We did the grapevine twist On a one night stand Square pegs in a round world When it all comes down Nowhere else to go By it down below She had graveyard Twisted sheets and irrational fears. She had a bleeding heart and soft money to blow. Nowhere else to go. Fire down below.
just to go Fire down below Hotel. We climbed the stairs, the midnight 
Watford Pedro Show. Start off the third hour with bass, hear that sound. Rough mix from Pork Jobs Snap Sauce. And poet Robert Kelly with the ritual. In his own words, Waco Brothers. Had to play some more after last Yeah, night. yeah, it's cool. Yeah, Brother John Langford. Very cool. Righteous having him aboard and hearing his story. Uh, Fire Down Below, Waco Brothers. Then a brand new album from El May, Lessons Appear. We got a half room mm. back on. Waco Brothers with Paul Birch with Give In and finally Tobacco with Blow Your Heart. Great album. That ultimate thing he had for this year. Put out himself. Uh, yeah, music to start off the third hour here, Brother Matt, was a band called Pork Chops and Applesauce. And yeah. Mr. Pork Chops and Applesauce himself. Brother Kurt. Hey. One half or... Thanks for I don't know, when the last week at the gig you were with the drummer, what's his name? Uh, Ron, what, R- applesauce. Yeah, applesauce. <laughs> you're pork chop. And you're yeah. one word, not two words. No, I'm pork chops and applesauce, but anybody that joins me is just another applesauce. So, so okay. what you guys got here earlier, I was th- we were talking about the doll hut, and I didn't realize that you were one of the main men making it happen. Oh, I'm, not, I'm just a, a good friend of the owner, and I'm there helping out, and any, uh, I do construction, so anything breaks. Well, that guy, Part, part of the team. Yeah. yeah, part of the team. Yeah. Part of the team. Yeah. Making beer flow. And why you know. why the applesauce guy couldn't come? Oh, applesauce is always rotating. So okay. uh I uh, well, this one I saw, who was he, Rick? Uh, Ron. Ron and uh Ron Ring and great drummer. Uh, Ron actually Ring. uh you'd know him from the band, uh, he was a drummer for DMF. Oh yeah, Johnny. Yeah, Johnny's band. And um okay. good guy. Yeah, that's right, I saw him yeah. there before in fact Share that same. Well, it ain't the same stage. There is a stage now. Yeah. It's kind of uh, small, though. It is small. Uh, hard for us to get our organ up there. We did it, though. You guys so did it well. You're a little Tetris. Yeah, a little Tetris. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, explain to people what applesauce and pork chops is about. Uh, pork chops and applesauce is me playing bass and singing and anything I feel like doing. When did it start? Um, about ten years ago, and started just. What, what, what do you call that? Millennial. It's a. It's a millennial band. It's a millennial band. Yeah, I guess it was. Ots. Yeah. It's from the Ots. <laughs> but yeah, it's the double Ots. Never and, seen uh, that um, <laughs> Yeah, with shotguns. It's and nuts. I started playing with the drummer, and the guitarist didn't show up one day for yeah. first rehearsal, and I said, you know what? I think I'm. We're a two piece now. And uh, you got the scissors. Yeah, got the scissors and called about getting a gig and got a gig for that first night and yeah. it hasn't stopped since. So I've been really lucky. Wow, was it your first band? No, I've been in a zillion bands. Always a bass player, of like you know, with a singer songwriter guy, yeah. and um, you know, which has been great. Always Orange County. Always Orange County. And, um, always a uh, you know, been privileged to play with lots of great musicians. Anaheim. Anaheim, yeah. German and, for our home. Yes. Right. There was German farmers in the old days. Yes. People don't realize if you go there now, strip malls and track homes, but this was actually a huge agriculture area. This part, too. Mm-hmm. Lawndale was the celery capital, you know. Yeah, I remember we just rose, driving down free, we just rose the farms. Uh, Beverly Hills was bean fields. Yeah. I mean, the whole SoCal was. Sugar bad. beets. Yeah. <laughs> and hence the name Orange County. Yeah. So I think the first one actually was Florida. It's where uh, oh really yeah. yeah it's where Orlando is and shit because you'll see it on the license plate and it's like what yeah. there's a, a Hollywood there too 
Yeah. yeah. It's just north of, uh, it's up down there by Miami. I've driven through it. It's by, uh, yeah. maybe it's just <laughs> south of Fort Lauderdale. But yeah. It's, it's over there. And one time me and D. Boom were wrestling outside a bank. And, you know, I had army clothes on from a tour. He wanted me to wear a beard and army clothes. And uh, <laughs> the bank got scared and called the hombres. And they came there and, you know, what's this about, you know? And, <laughs> uh, you know, just having a little disagreement about <laughs> history or something. And uh, officers, where are you from, Hollywood? And like, you know, over here... You would hear that in the old days, you know, the old punk scene, right? The Hollywood. Oh, man. And I just didn't realize that they actually have their own Hollywood. And so I laughed. And that dude got pissed. You laugh at the man with the gun and the badge. But he didn't understand for me to hear that at that moment. It was a weird juxtaposition of situations. Okay, and you got in, you recorded an album. Yeah. Is this the first Pork Chop and Applesauce album? I did an EP um, six or seven years ago. And, so uh, this is round two? Round two, and uh, been lucky to playing with some good players, and uh, got a good drummer for that. And But it ain't Ron Ring. It ain't Ron Ring this time. It's, uh, um, I moved on. Well, I'm, just, I'm up for playing with any drummer. Any drummer that's sitting behind me is, in my opinion, the best drummer in the world. So if somebody wants to join me up there, I'm... But they got to be behind you. Got to be behind me, yeah, okay. of course. <laughs> Joey! 
1960, the day I buried a dragonfly with false clearness. A punishment with me on the icebergs rather than the raped. But now I see it as a dragonfly, when before it was a preference of only being in solitary confinement. Always the losses with the dotted attacks. But it goes on.
Live for Pedro Show. Uh, last music for this edition. Yeah, from Charleston, uh, Charlie Town, Scummy Elon Bolt, Noma Dear Blanca, and from up in uh, Canada, Happy Kings of Lower Town. That's yeah. old story. Keith yeah, digging that Kings of Lower Town is cool. Keith Richards. Uh, yeah, news. What I hear, Marco just left uh, Rewild. He's starting a band. He's gonna stay in London, but play with some England guys. Good luck. Uh, easily entertained. Rough mix at it from the Blueprint Conspiracy. David Gerard there out of Boston. Some buddies. Uh, Ron Huddy with the deflation situation. Uh, Tunnel Rat stick with a crossed out peace sign. And finally. Shh, for a little while by Broke Dick Dog. Broke Dick Dog was a one song only band, Money Mark Nishida, mm -hmm. Steve Perkins. Yeah, it was Money Mark these right. days. And it was a tribute. <laughs> this is one of those songs Jim Brown would uh, put on his albums in the older days where he'd like just play the organ and shit, yeah. you know, to hug the label. I guess uh, I wouldn't call it filler, but somebody else might. And I thought it was righteous and we did that. In order, I think it was his 61st, 65th birthday, 1998 or 99. Cool. Yeah, we did it in Orange County. There's this, this was closer to the water. Maybe Huntington, HB. It's called Distillery. I've heard of that. You know, this studio, yeah. like a lot of tube stuff, yeah. oldie type. Cat named Mike there. And, uh, they ain't made for Mr. Brown because that dude was wild. That's <laughs> wild. I think everybody owes him a little something. <laughs> well, at least in spirit. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to hear another poem out of you, Marvin Scott Marvin. All right. Will you please, Brain? Certainly. Checking in. Fantasy creeps and dream invaders trade in vibrational currency. Sealed up in shells under extreme pressure and rolling an irritant into a pearl. An artist knows to be patient. Stock inspiration as prey animal. Tracks not seen in many miles of searching. The audience wanders off, tired of waiting for the wheatgrass kid to ride again. Only the faithful remain lighting candles in devotion to St. Fritz of the perpetual headwound. He knows, somehow, he knows when it happens. She snaps, her own picture in a dirty bathroom mirror, no smile on lips drawn tight, as if to say, no man's hands ever felt like daddy's. Sometimes we catch the devil on laundry day, Danger discover a time warp in the central stairwell, somewhere between the fifth and sixth floors. Stare at the ceiling when it sounds like light rain or goblins dancing on the roof. Expect a snake to climb out of the sink to answer the phone. Tell the bill collectors no one lives here, a small technical truth. There's always another check in the mail. Cool. Yeah. 
we wind back the clock a little bit because we got to your first read never in Las Vegas. And that guy, yeah. you were number seven on the 50 list. Is it 50 or 35? Uh, it was like 36. 36. After that, what? You started doing more live readings? Yeah, I kept coming back every week. It was the same pad. Yeah. So there was like kind of a, a poem scene in Las Vegas? Yeah. And what were you call, telling Brother Matt? What was that called? The slams. Slams? Oh, the poetry slam stuff, yeah. Is that what this kind of scene was? Uh, not initially, no. That was uh, a different movement that came along through the poetry scene. Uh, how, how, how would you say it's different? Well, slam is a competitive thing where uh, you have a specific time limit yeah. and you have judges who are supposed to judge your poetry uh, perf- half on performance and half on content. And uh, You mean the way you deliver it? Yeah. And then what you got to deliver? Yeah. And why is it called slam? Because you're competing poetry, against yeah. other people. Oh, yeah. another yeah. kind of poetry is man yeah. alone. Every work stands... Yeah. On itself. This is like you actually put them up against each other. Yeah. And it's just judges. A couple judges? Uh, th- five judges. Five judges. Okay. And they and don't you, go you by You throw out the top score and the low score. Okay. And you take the three middle scores and add them together. Yeah. And uh, if you get, you know, the ultimate is the perfect 30. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. So, so do you and have many uh, chapbooks? Yeah. Uh, yeah. When did that happen? When did you go out of, uh, or did, did you continue to do? You said for like eight years you wouldn't read anymore. Is this when you were putting out the? Um. Back. Oh well. My first chapbook, uh, I didn't put out until two thousand six. Okay. And then I put another one out in two thousand seven, and then this one is my third, which I just put out. Uh, couple weeks ago. Right. And that, that slam stuff, that was in the 90s in Las Vegas. When I first encountered yeah. it, yes. It's still happening a lot. When I, I quit doing poetry readings for about eight years. Yeah. And uh, when I came back into it, uh, met a bunch of friends that I knew from back then who were into the slam thing. So I, in order, it's not really my thing, but other people really enjoy it. And yeah. Uh, I helped out by participating in whatever means was necessary, whether yeah. it was to be a performer or a judge, because uh, they need so many people to participate in order for it to be legal under this whole structure that they have to get to the nationals. It's it's a oh, it's a big competition. Yeah, it's a wow. And I'm not too into that kind of organization sure, to my sure. art and. I didn't Whatever. know that. So, yeah. It almost sounds like sports. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's competitive poetry. It is. It is. Okay. It's turning it into a sport, yeah. And, uh... Trippy. Because poetry seems like such a man alone a kind of form of expression. Yeah. And well, playing to the crowd or playing to the judges, that's trippy. Yeah, so many ways of expressing. Yeah. Yeah, my problem's always been the, the time limit because they give you... Three minutes, right, and, and then you got a ten-second uh, grace period, and then after that you start getting a time penalty. Okay. 
And so one time, and I, I well, well, <laughs> uh, yeah. But one time I did compete in a, a slam, and I intentionally read an extra long piece where I got a uh, it was like a twenty six and a half point uh, time penalty. <laughs> so you went in the hole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but probably the, your future is in slam poems. You, you like regular poetry. Uh, well, I could do it, I suppose. Um, you know, it's just, here I ask everybody, especially music people, but I ask this about poems. If some young poet wanted to start getting into that scene racket, what would, advice would you give? Oh, I'd advise them to uh, tell their own real stories and uh, wave their hands and stomp a lot and memorize it so you don't have, you know. That's a... One factor that uh, hindered my performance in Slam was that I would read a lot off the page. Uh-huh. I don't well, not want... just Slam, but any kind of poetry. Oh, for any kind of poetry. Yeah, what kind of advice would you give? Still with the life stories, right? Yeah, uh, well, yeah. That's difficult to say, because there's so many different kinds of poetry. You know, I don't want to tell people to do what I do, because uh, they might enjoy those older forms, you know. Some sure, people sure. really do enjoy that, and that, but, you know. See that in a way, some though, people that's really do enjoy slam. And, that's, you know. a form, that's a form of advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. About that, so you hear that, people. No. Get into what... You get into it. Yeah. Because you might like it. If you like poetry for and you might not old, like other po- old yeah. forms, it's great. If, uh, you know, I try to do tailor some of my reading to an audience that, that uh, actually doesn't like poetry or, you know, I don't necessarily write for people who like poetry. Sometimes, you know, I write for myself and I write and perform for people who hate poetry and go, oh, wait a minute, poetry's not what I thought it was. Oh, so like uh, you kind of changed minds. Yeah. That's Hopefully. A, a, that's a noble goal, what you think, Brother Man. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think just slipping in and turning them on to something they don't know they like. Yeah. I really want to thank you for coming over. Uh, yeah, well, nice to meet you guys. so much for yeah, racing. Very cool. We love Grotto here yeah. and our What for Pedro show, Brother Matt's. Very, very honored to have you aboard. Kurt, thanks for toting them over. And yeah, no problem, man. It was a pleasure. Thank it sounded great, Marvin. And, uh, and good Mark. luck with the report Yeah, show. thanks. And, yeah. Mark, Greg, shotgun. Yeah. Thanks for having me here. It was awesome. Okay. It's yeah. so, uh, December 14th, 2014. This is for Peter. So, everybody, probably next time I talk to you I'll be your oh, yeah, seven yeah. year old so Deep Piazza's party happy birthday out, happy birthday yeah. missing, mm-hmm. a week from yesterday keep your powder dry yeah <laughs>